Certification 101 podcast, a series of episodes where we talk about certification, what it is, who does it, and get into the details on certification best practices. Today on the show, we're going to talk about how to set up a quality control system in a certification body that is effective. We're also going to talk about document record control. Stay tuned. episode 12, and we've had some unique listeners join us since the last episode. I would guess this is because I finally shared this on LinkedIn, so welcome to the new listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying the pod, and if you have not already, I would suggest starting back at the beginning, since we're very much taking this in a specific order. Now today, we're talking about a quality control system and how to make it effective, and we're also going to cover document and record control. So this is, I think, combining two topics from earlier in this series into one, and that may happen from time to time, or I might split something since as I get into a topic, I may change my mind on how to present it versus how I first thought about it. That's okay, though, and I think this is better to combine these issues into one discussion. So let's talk about a quality control system. What is this system we're talking about? So a quality control system is the overarching structure used to govern all aspects of quality, and mostly we're talking about document control. But it's both realistic in terms of there are actual documents that are created, and it's also somewhat conceptual meaning. It's just that there's a general idea of what you're doing in an overall sense. You can probably tell I found this hard to define. Maybe someone else out there has a better definition, but let's try to break this down a little bit better. So from a literal sense, the quality control system is a structure of how documents are set up, a hierarchy of documents. This means we classify what a document is. Is it a form? Is it a standard operating procedure? Is it a template, etc.? Everything is classified and categorized in a hierarchy. This hierarchy is almost like a pyramid where authority is granted through documentation from the top down. So maybe an example would be better so we can understand this. Now, I recognize there are a million ways to do this, and this is purely my experience, so take this with a grain of salt. But in my history, I've seen a hierarchy that has basically four levels of documents. Number one is a manual as the centerpiece, one manual to govern them all. Number two, standard operating procedures. Number three, guidance documents or work instructions. And number four, forms or templates. So like I said, those four levels establish themselves in a pyramid style and branch out. It starts with the manual, the centerpiece of the entire certification document system. A quality manual explains what a certification body does, how it operates, going back to the last episode, what the set certification process is, the CB's legal framework, roles, responsibilities, and how the rest of the documentation system works. It's the basis of the whole thing. It doesn't even have to be that long, although some are. But a good manual can be less than 10 pages long and still hit all the major points. The idea is the manual provides the structure and the foundation for everything else. From there, standard operating procedures break down that set certification process and everything else referenced in the manual into bite-sized pieces with individual requirements. So the manuals I've seen just take the sections of the relevant ISO standards and have a brief section on each one. So same concept as we are doing here in this podcast. This whole series of episodes can be a blueprint for a quality manual. 
Optionally, you can have guidance documents or work instructions that provide further guidance. And then lastly, our forms or templates. These are documents that are repeatedly used over the course of the certification process. So the template is a control document, and we'll define that later, but it is a template only. It's something that is used and saved as a unique file somewhere else every time. So think of a proposal or a quote sheet or whatever you first send to a customer. It's made uniquely for each customer, but the template itself is the same. That template is the document that is in the document control system. So we'll get into that in more detail in a minute, but the point is this structure is created, which flows out of the quality manual. And that is the structure. That is the overarching quality structure. That is the basis for the certification body documentation. That's it. This idea of a hierarchy of documents, that every document is classified as a type of document and then logged and used accordingly. And that's what I mean by the more general non-physical definition. It's generally an idea of structure that is defined. The concept that every document and therefore every process has a place in the hierarchy. And through that placement, you automatically know what to do with it. A procedure is meant to be followed because it is a procedure. A form is meant to be filled out and saved because it is a form. Everything has a function because it has a place in the hierarchy. Now different CVs may have different structures and they may have different terms, but in general the idea should be somewhat the same. I will say this is not necessarily the case all over. One CV I worked at just didn't do this until I got through reworking some things. They didn't have an overarching structure or hierarchy. They had hundreds of documents just in a long list, and that was it. No organization, no structure, no hierarchy. And that's fine. There's nothing technically wrong with that, but it doesn't flow. So when you go through an accreditation audit without that structure, it's clumsy, it's awkward, it's doable, but it's making it harder on everyone. So that gets us to the document control portion. How do you actually set this up? We've more or less covered the structure piece, this idea that there needs to be structure, and how we define those levels of structure, although again, different CBs may have different levels and different definitions of those levels. I think this is generally the same everywhere, that there is a list, a log of some sort, that is the entire list of documents that CBs use, or supposed to be the entire list. Now, if you think about a certification body and all we've covered so far up to this point through this podcast, and the idea that I have 50 plus more episodes of content ready to go, there's a lot of documents, hundreds, even thousands of documents can be within a certification body. So the list is extensive. The first step is to create a document to house these lists. I've used access databases, Excel sheets, Google sheets, really anything that is good at making lists and filterable is a good tool to use. Once you do that, the first document in there is the manual, the quality manual that everything else is created from. There's typically only one manual, but I suppose there might be scenarios where there's more than one. Then after that, start logging all the procedures. Could be hundreds of them. And then lastly, the forms. The forms that the procedures reference as being utilized to carry out the certification functions. While you're doing that, you also have to create a numbering system so everything has a unique number and can be identified, and a naming convention so items are named similarly. I've used form number one and form 95 and SOP 12 and SOP 95 as a numbering system, but whatever works as long as it's unique is fine. Once the number and naming conventions have been established, the real work begins, writing and creating all those procedures and then cataloging them according to that numbering system. Once that's done, you've hopefully have, let's say, 100 SOPs that have been written and they are all version number one for each one. Now you need to publish them and get them to the people that will use them. 
So since you don't want an editable version floating around, you PDF the procedure and send that to everyone while you keep the editable version in your database somewhere. But what happens when you need to revise a procedure because something changes? Then you go back to your editable version, make a change, keep track of the change, and then make a clean version too. PDF that and send it out again. Rinse and repeat as needed for every procedure as things change. Sounds very easy, but when there's hundreds of documents and procedures, and they are referencing each other all over the place, this can get complicated. It's usually best to assign ownership to procedures and specific documents so they are the resident experts on it and make the needed changes when they come up. That way only one person is not fully responsible for everything. There should also be some sort of rotation where every document is reviewed over some regular interval. I've seen annually up to four years used as the review time frame. As long as it's defined somewhere, that's the important part and you just stick to that. And that's the whole of document control. The explaining it is certainly easier than the doing it and I want to get into some of the challenges to watch out for during this process now. The first one is it's very hard to keep up with this and to get other owners of documents to seriously review procedures and keep them up to date. At pretty much any certification body, there's a strong argument that it should be a full-time job just by itself. It's almost always a backburner item for most staff and there's usually some scrambling that happens right before any audit to quickly update procedures. I don't think that's unique to just the ones that I've worked at, I think that happens everywhere. Once the system is in place though, it's very important to get buy-in on people actually using it. Use the procedures to guide the processes, not just memory. And that can be hard, especially in an established certification body. I've worked at a CB that had a lot of turnover and one that didn't. And one thing I've noticed is the one that had a lot of turnover was actually much better about updating procedures and keeping up with documentation. I think because there were so many new people all the time, it was important to have references for everyone to use that were accurate. Conversely, if you have someone who's been in the job for 10 plus years, they are much less likely to need and therefore use a procedure to do their job. And therefore, they are also less likely to write and update a procedure when needed. So getting buy-in is critical for everyone and that can be a huge hurdle to get over. Secondly, when something new comes up, new business, new process, new technology, making sure it gets added to the document control system is really important. If you don't, it's so easy to let it fall apart on the side, and then it never gets added. Believe me, I know this happens. When you do something once a year, it's really hard to justify spending more time writing the procedure than it would to actually just do the task. And then lastly, when everything is not covered by the scope of your accreditation in your organization, there needs to be a discussion and agreement of what actually gets put into the document control system. Are the non-certification processes included or not? Invoicing is a good example. Charging people is certainly part of any CB, but it's not actually part of the accreditation of the CB. There's nothing in it about ISO 17065, so it's out of scope for those auditors. As long as an invoice gets sent to the right person, the actual clicks that are done are outside the scope. So should there be a procedure or not? And if it is, is it a controlled document or not? Something that is reviewed regularly and followed religiously? That is a tricky question, and one I can't really answer because it's different everywhere, but it's something to think about. Other processes such as sales, HR, facilities, maintenance, and any non-certification programs that you may offer, like consulting, could all have documentation in the document control system, but will they? I'll say it's unlikely, although I would bet most CBs would like to do that. So all these challenges provide some context into the quality control and document control system. 
But this really is the basis for what certification bodies do. Do what you say and write down what you say. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. And that brings us to the end of this episode where we talked about a quality control system. Thanks for listening to the Certification 101 podcast. I've been your host, Tom Spoda, and I'm looking forward to talking with you in the future. Stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to talk about management reviews. Looking forward to talking with you then. Take care.